Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Before we get started, uh, before we get started, a couple things. Number one, uh, you may have noticed last Sunday or today when you drove in, there is a box. Let me see, where am I at here? Parking lot. Okay, there's a box over there. When I get inside of a building, all sense of direction outside goes out of my mind. Like if I'm downstairs here in the basement, I cannot tell you where the road is. I can't tell you where the train tracks are. I can't tell you where this store is with the best barbecue dogs in town is at. I can't tell you anything once I'm inside of a building. So you will notice right outside here, there's a box right across the street in the parking lot across the street. That is a blessing box. We have talked about the blessing box here before. Um, And so what that box is is simply this. If you or anybody that you know or anybody that walks past the box or anybody that drives past the box needs something that's in that box, take what's in the box. If you or anybody you know or anybody that drives past the box or walks past the box has something that they can donate to the box, you give what's in the box. That's it. It is simply there to be a blessing to people in this neighborhood, people that drive by. If you need it, take it. If you have it, you give it. No questions asked. Cool, right? Cool. So over the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, maybe even the next couple of years, um, we are in charge of that blessing box. Us, along with Josie Perdue, some of you guys were here a few weeks ago, we showed a video from Josie. She is, um, what is she exactly? pageant miss randolph county outstanding teen so one of her um goals two years in a row it'll probably be three uh probably be three um one of her goals as this this queen as miss outstanding teen was to put up these blessing boxes around town there's one up here on sunset we have one here she is also sponsoring one uh down in seagrove um seagrove is how some people say it in seagrove um and um all it's for is to simply be a blessing to the people around that need something, you take it. If you have something, you give it. Um, so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be putting out things that we will be putting in the box. Uh, so check your email. Make sure you're on our email list so that you can stay up to date. And if you have an item that can go in the box that you can, can give, give the item. If you need something that's in the box, you take it. Cool. Can I tell you one more thing before we get started with the word? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this summer, we are going to do a, a big service project together. And when I say big, I mean big. Here's why I say big. I can't tell you what it is now because we, won't, we don't have all the stuff together to be able to share it. But here's what I can tell you today. It's too big for us to do, and we need the Lord's help, which is a good thing. Amen? 
Anytime that we do something that is outside of our realm of ability to do and that requires us, that encourages us, that challenges us to rely on God to do it for us because we can't do it on our own, that, my friends, is a good thing. So in like two weeks or so, give or take, we're going to share with you what we want to do, a big service project we want to do during the summertime here for this neighborhood and for this community. Um, so we're going to share with you, share that with you in a couple of weeks. But y'all, it's going to be great. We're going to impact a lot of people. We're going to impact a lot of lives. We're going to tell a lot of people about Jesus. We're going to love on a lot of people, and we're going to serve a lot of people in this neighborhood and in this community. Does that sound good or what? If it doesn't, you need to check your heart. Right? Think back to two years ago, almost three years ago, the reason we came to this church, the reason that you and I are sitting right here in this very building this morning was so that we could share the gospel with more people in this town than what we could sitting at, two, at uh, 214 Foster Street. We come to 614 Hoover Street to simply spread the gospel, and to serve more people. And that's exactly what we're going to do uh, this coming summer. Cool? All right, here we go. Here we go. Over the last couple of weeks, by the way, my man Jacob Clapp was here last week. Jacob is a wonderful person. Amen? He has got a bright future ahead of him. He's got the best head of hair I've ever seen. I am slightly jealous, not completely, but slightly jealous of his hair um, but other than that, he's just an all-around good kid. Um, so I thought he did a wonderful job last week talking about Psalm 3. Uh, did a really good job. Before that, back in January, we started talking about the book of Genesis. Uh, the first Sunday in January, we talked about Genesis 1, how God created everything. Then we talked about Genesis 3, when the serpent come in and we had sin and the fall of, of humankind. Then we talked about Genesis 6 with Noah and the ark and uh, God instructing him and how Noah had faith to build an ark because God said it was going to rain, but Noah had never seen rain before. He didn't know what rain was. But he trusted and believed in the word of the Lord. Then we talked about Genesis 12 uh, with Abraham's faith being tested. Then we talked about Genesis 16 where Abraham and Sarah had to have waiting faith where they waited on God to provide them a son. They tried to take care of it themselves with Hagar and the Egyptian slave. Boys, remember that's when I instructed you. That's when I encouraged you not to sleep with an Egyptian slave if your wife wants you to. Don't do it. Write that down. Put it on the refrigerator. It will make your life much better than it would be if you were to do it. Cool? Cool. Then, then two weeks ago, we talked about obedient faith when God called Abraham to sacrifice his only son as a burnt offering um, and how God provided during Abraham's faith. Today, I want us to look at, we're going to look at uh, Genesis 20, uh, 28. We were going to look at Genesis 26, 
But I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, I was studying that this week and getting some stu- notes and stuff together, and I just never really felt comfortable and felt good with it. Um, I didn't have a clear direction. So we're going to skip Genesis 26. There's a lot of good stuff in Genesis 26, and we're going to come back to one day, but not today. We're going to look at Genesis 28. Um, and I want us to think about, as we go through Genesis 28, I want us to think about the question, um, is where is the Lord? Where is Jesus while our faith is being tested, right? We've been talking for the past several weeks about, about our faith test and having to go through struggles and go through uh, valleys and go through tests so that we can come out better because remember, think back with me for a few weeks, the goal of a faith test is not to tear you down. The goal of a faith test is to build you up. You go through this valley, you go through this struggle, you go through this test, not so that you will come out worse, but so that your faith comes out stronger and better than it was to begin with. But while we're going through that, we want to talk a little bit this morning about where is the Lord? Where is Jesus during all this stuff? Before we do, let me ask you a question. Is anybody here this morning have the horrible habit of losing stuff? couple of you, couple of you. Dylan's pointing at Lori, just saying. Uh, I am not that person. I am really good about where I put stuff, for the most part. Now listen, I have, you know, brain lapses like everybody else does, but I am really good at uh, not, not forgetting stuff. I have a really good memory, like a really good memory. I can remember stuff from years ago really good. Um, there as gosh I was at a chiropractor two years ago because I got a hurt back and that's what you do when you got a hurt back um and this girl that was working in there she walked by she said hey Michael and I'm thinking who is this like who, who are you and you know how you like you have like a hundred thoughts run through your mind in like three seconds I'm thinking I think I know this girl she looks familiar but I don't know who it is and then she says these words she said I'm Stefan's sister I'm thinking, who is Stefan? And then I remember, I only know one Stefan. He was a kid that was in my youth group back in the mid-2000s in Jamestown. I knew his great-grandma, and I remember his grandma, and they were really good people. Great-grandma was a little tough at times, but she was a really good person. And I think I recall him having a little sister that was like six or seven at this time, running around with him from time to time. I thought, is that her? Now, all these thoughts are going through my mind just like in two seconds. And then out of nowhere, I said, yeah, Victoria, right? She kind of looked for a second, and I thought, oh, gosh. She said, yes, that's me. I said, thank God. <laughs> I don't know how I pulled her name out of that. I don't know where her, why her name was tucked away somewhere, like back here. But it was, and I did it, and, oh, she was so happy. And I thought, the Lord has been good to me, because that could have been rough. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good about remembering stuff. However, we had an instance, uh, we were at the beach two years ago, Callie, TJ, I, and her mom and dad and sister, um, and we lost TJ. Anybody ever lost a kid at a grocery store? Grand Canyon. Oh, law. The biggest hole in the world, you lost a kid. Lol. So, <laughs> Cindy's like, Grand Canyon, yep. 
Yep. So we were at Myrtle Beach, and um, we were getting ready to go out on the beach one day. We are packing up our chairs and our bags and our towels and all that stuff. And TJ was standing at the door, holding the door. He's like, come on, y'all, let's go to the beach. And we're like, where are we getting our stuff? We have to carry 20 pounds of stuff while all you got to carry is a pair of goggles. Um, so he walks out, and I told him, I said, TJ, go push the button for the elevator. So he walks in there, pushes the button. Callie and I are still rustling around stuff, trying to figure out how we're going to hold everything. Y'all know how it is, right? You hold, got both arms full going down to the beach. Um, next thing we know, the elevator door opens up. TJ steps on the elevator. Callie and I are still in the room, and the elevator door closes. <sighs> I know it. <laughs> I know. TJ just said this is really my fault. Yeah, I, I'm aware, son. Your mom told me a couple times. <laughs> she told me a handful of times. Uh, so Kelly and I make it to the elevator. She said, where's TJ? I said, got on the elevator. I don't know. I said, he's probably in the water by now. Uh, and Kelly's mom and dad were already down at the beach. I said, listen, he, we've done this enough. He knows, push the one, go down to the bottom. He knows how to get out to the beach. He's probably out there with your mom and dad. No big deal. She says, uh, okay, let's get on the, we get on the elevator, go down to the first floor. He's not right there in front of the elevator. I said, he's probably out there at the beach. She said, you go out to the beach. I'm going back up to the room to see if he rode back up because he knew where our room was. He knew what floor, where the room was, all that stuff. I said, cool. I walk out to the beach, see Callie's mom and dad, said, hey, you see TJ? They said, no. And I didn't see him between the elevator and the beach. And I thought, oh, gosh, we lost the kid. Callie went back up to the room. She come back down. She said, I didn't see him. He's not back up at the room. So we have officially lost our four-year-old kid in Myrtle Beach, in the best place on earth, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, and then mom starts not freaking out, but next best thing, she's like, Michael, this is not okay. I said, Callie, it's fine. I said, we know people that are in this building. Like, it's fine. She said, no, it's not, Michael. We don't know where our son is. I said, Kelly, he's four. He's fine. Like, what's the big deal? Um, so we're, <laughs> Kelly's mom and dad recruited a couple people. I felt like we were like a search team. Like we we're going to start like combing the streets, like Main Street and Myrtle Beach. They recruited a couple people, um, and we started going up. Kelly's sister, I think, went to like floor number two. Our floor was three. Somebody went up to floor four just to see if we see him anywhere. Uh, somebody come down the elevator and said, what's going on? Somebody said, they lost their kid. <laughs> Immediately, I thought, like, Child Protective Services is going to start calling us and find out what the deal is. Uh, and then somebody that got off the elevator said, hey, there's a kid on the third floor that's crying, said he don't know where his mom and daddy is. The fifth floor, whatever, the very top. Good call, buddy. I thought, well, that's got to be us, because what other parents lose their kid in Myrtle Beach? Well, that's got to be our kid. So, uh, Callie rides back up to, I think, where our room was, and sure enough, TJ was there with a lovely lady that helped him get back to his room. It is also the lady that we rode the elevator with earlier that morning that TJ talked to, because he just got a brand new rock, and he was showing this lady her rock, and he just happened to see her that afternoon while he was by himself, and she remembered him, and she went and stood at our door, at our room with him until Callie got there. You may think that's just some random woman. I don't think so. I think that woman was put on the elevator that morning 
for a purpose, and that purpose was being to be a blessing to us that afternoon, and we didn't even know it. Amen? So we found our kid two years later. He's sitting right there, as cool as can be, with no front teeth, and we did it. Uh, There are times in our life, I believe, where we go through seasons, where we go through weeks and months and maybe even years, where we feel like we've lost Jesus, where we feel like God's not there like he used to be, where we feel like God's not as close to us as he used to be, where we feel like, man, I used to have a really good relationship with the Lord. I used to read my Bible a lot. I used to pray a lot. I used to worship. I used to come to church and clap and sing and cry and lift my hands. I was on a spiritual high. I was really close with the Lord. But now, for whatever reason, I think there's a lot of reasons that contribute to this, it's just, it's not there. God's not there. God is either pulled back or I've pulled back. Whatever the case may be, God's just not as close as what he used to be. I hope to show you this morning, I hope to encourage you this morning, that no matter where you're at in your life, if you're at the Grand Canyon, if you're in Myrtle Beach, if you're on a spiritual high, if you're in a valley, I want to show you this morning that no matter where you're at, what you're going through, what you're facing, or even what you're feeling, God is still with you. Lots of times our feelings, we can trust in, to be the truth. The reality is our feelings, our emotions are tainted by sin, and sometimes those feelings and emotions can cause us to believe that the Lord is not near, that the Lord is not close, that the Lord is not with us, when the reality is he has been right beside you the whole time, and you just didn't know it. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 28 this morning and see, see what it says about the Lord's presence with us. Genesis 28. So Genesis 28 is about Jacob. Isaac is Jacob's dad. Abraham was Isaac's dad. Here's what we know about about Jacob before Genesis 28. Jacob deceived his dad. Uh, and he stole his brother Esau's birthright. Jacob manipulated his dad. He dressed up as his brother Esau, stole his birthright, stole his inheritance. And here in Genesis 28, Jacob is fleeing from his brother Esau. Why is he fleeing from his brother Esau? Because he stole Esau's inheritance. He dressed up as his brother, lied to his dad, manipulated, deceived Isaac, stole Esau's birthright or stole Esau's inheritance. Esau found out about it. Esau said, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to find him and I'm going to kill him. So uh, Jacob found out about that. So he started running away fleeing for his life before Esau found him. And that's where we pick up our story in Genesis 28, starting in verse 10, says this. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head to lay down. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway 
resting on the earth with its top reaching up to heaven and angels of God were ascending and descending on the stairway. Verse 13, there above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land for which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Verse 15, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Look at verse 16. When Jacob awoke from this sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. There we see Jacob, who's a liar, a deceiver, a manipulator, a thief, running for his life, fleeing for his life. And he has a dream, he sees a stairway from heaven to earth, angels going up and down, and at the top he sees the Lord. And Jacob wakes up and says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. My question to you this morning, has God ever been at work in your life and you didn't know it? I believe there are times in all of our lives where we feel like God is distant. We feel like God has left us. We feel like God has forgotten about us. What tends to happen is when things are going good for us, when things are great, we tell people, we say things like, like, man, I'm blessed, or the Lord has been with us this year, right? We say those things, which is great and true and amazing, and praise God for it. However, the tendency is, what the enemy wants us to believe, is that God is with you when things are going good. But man, when you hit that valley, when you hit that pain, when you hit that struggle, when you hit that faith test, God wouldn't let you go through that. God wouldn't let you go through that pain. God wouldn't let you go through the death of that loved one. If God was with you, you wouldn't go through losing your job. If God was really with you, you wouldn't go through that separation or divorce. If God was really present and living life with you, if God was with you, you wouldn't go through that report from a doctor. So what happens is we have our perspective of the presence of the Lord upside down, where we think God is with us when things are good. Then we believe the lie that man, maybe he's not here when things are bad. It seems like when we need him the most, that's when he's the hardest to find. When we need God the most, that's when we struggle to sense his presence. That's when we struggle to sense his love and his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy in our lives. If you've ever been there this morning, I could tell you about my year of 2009. I'm not going to this morning, but I could to tell you how I felt alone and by myself 
and not worth very much. Self-esteem was on a low. Self-worth was at an all-time low. And I can look back now in 2020, and I can say, as Jacob can say, and I hope and pray that you can look back in your life, and there was a time in your life, and maybe even your time is today, when you feel like God's not close, and you feel like you're all alone, you feel like the presence of God is not with you, can I encourage you that surely the Lord is in this place, but you are not aware of it. We are promised God's presence all throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture, we see God's presence being promised with us. That's in the good times and the bad times. That's on the mountaintops and in the valleys. And I would even dare say that in your valley moment, in your faith test moment, in your struggle, in your pain, in your bad time, in that very moment is when God is the absolute closest. It may not feel like it. It may not feel like God is with you. It may not feel like God's present with you. Scripture says that even then he is close to you. You want some examples? Yes, let me tell you some examples. All through the Gospels, you'll see different situations of people in struggles, in pain, in desperation come to Jesus looking for something. Think about the man with leprosy. He broke the law to get to Jesus because he was so desperate to get to Jesus because Jesus is the only one that could do for him what he needed done. Out of his desperation, he made it to Jesus. Jesus was with him, and Jesus healed him. In Matthew chapter 8, there's a story of a Roman guard needing healing for his servant who was at home. For a Roman guard to go to a Jewish Jesus and ask for healing for his servant's son was absolutely the first time this has ever happened. Desperation led him to Jesus. Think about Mark chapter 2 when the four friends had their paralyzed buddy on the mat. They were so desperate to get to Jesus. They dug a hole in a guy's roof, lowered him down right in front of Jesus because Jesus is the only one that could do for him what he needed. Desperation, we see lots of examples of in the scripture. Think of Matthew chapter 9, where there's a woman with the issue of blood. She knew that Jesus was the only one that could heal her, so what did she do? She crawled through a crowd of people. She crawled through a crowd of people, not to talk to Jesus, not to get his attention, not to have him touch her, but she crawled to Jesus to do what? To touch the very bottom of his coat. And she left healed. Think of the prostitute that was met Jesus in the tax collector's house, in the Pharisee's house, excuse me. And all she had in her life was a bottle of perfume. That's how she made her money. That was her life. She busted that joker open and poured it on Jesus' feet. Desperation is where Jesus will meet you. Think about Jesus' last moments of his first life, as I like to say. During the crucifixion, he's hanging on the cross. Two criminals hanging out beside of him, being crucified at the same time. One of the criminals looked at Jesus and said, remember me. 
in your kingdom. Remember me. And Jesus said some of the best words you could ever read in all of Scripture. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. The Lord will honor your desperation. In your struggle, in your pain, in your fight, in your battle, in your valley, in your stress, in your anxiety, you are in the exact place for God to be close to you, even if you don't feel it. God is still present with you. We see in the gospel lots of times Jesus shows up at places, Jesus shows up at places where he's not expected to be at. Think about the start of Jesus' life. Where did Jesus' life start? Somebody talk to me. Where did his life start? Huh? In a stable, in a manger, not in a room, not with angels singing, earthquakes, lightning, fireworks, not with gold diapers, not with gold teething rings, not with a gold bassinet, not with gold blankets like the king of kings you would think would have. No, Jesus' life started humbly in a manger outside of the barn. Jesus shows up in places you don't think he would. We see examples in the, in the scriptures of Jesus showing up at tax collector's house. Why would Jesus be at a tax collector's house? Those scum, <laughs> those punks that steal money from everybody. Why is Jesus, the Lord, the Son of God, why is he at a tax collector's house? We see Jesus in scripture show up in a fiery furnace in the book of Daniel with three other guys. Why is Jesus in the fiery furnace? Why is Jesus showing up at these places? It's simple, really. Jesus shows up with people that he loves. Jesus loves Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus loved the tax collectors. Jesus loved the sinners. He was called a friend of sinners. Jesus loved the people that he is with. His presence is promised to his people. You want to hear the best news ever today? You want to hear it? Somebody talk to me. How can I know Jesus' presence is promised with me? Simple. Because he loves you. How can you go through a valley and know that God's with you? Because God loves you. God's love doesn't stop. God's love doesn't change. God's love doesn't fluctuate. He doesn't love you more yesterday than today. He doesn't think more highly of you when you're on the mountaintop and less of you when you're in the valley. No, my friends, God lo God's love is perfect and pure, and he loves you no matter what. And because of his great love for us, we are assured, we are promised, we are guaranteed by the word of God that his presence is with us today. Even if we don't feel it, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. 
Can I ask you this morning, what areas of your life do you feel like God has left you behind? What areas of your life do you feel like, man, I love the Lord. I know he loves me, but I haven't seen him working in this area. I would really love for God to show up with my family. I wish God would make a move and move in my life and work in my life and make my kids, help my kids to love me more. I wish the Lord would show up in my finances. Good night. Those bills keep coming. (laughs) And jokers don't stop, do they? Uh -uh. I wish God would work here. Can I challenge you? to start speaking the word of God into your life. And I don't mean just in your heart. I mean speak it out loud. Can I challenge you today to start speaking with your vocal cords that rub together in your throat or however those things work. Make it come out of your mouth. Surely the Lord is in my marriage and I did not even know it. Today I am professing the word of the Lord that surely the Lord is in my finances, is working in my finances, and I was not aware of it. Surely the Lord is working in my relationships, and I was not aware of it. Surely the Lord is working in my marriage and working in my family and working with my kids, and I was not aware of it of it. Something happens in your life when you have enough faith, when you have enough trust and belief, and you start speaking the Word of God in your life. Surely the presence of God is with me, and I didn't know it. Be encouraged today. Be challenged today that God's presence is with you always. On top, in the middle, or at the bottom of the barrel, God's presence is with you. There's a great story in uh, 1 Kings that says this. 1 Kings chapter 19. This is a story about Elijah. It says, it says this. And the word of the Lord came to him, him being Elijah. What are you doing here, the Lord said to Elijah. Verse 10, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Elijah's in a tough spot here. He's got people. Doesn't it seem like every story in the Bible, somebody's try, somebody trying to kill somebody? I love it. Like, I love, like, action movies and guns and tanks and TJ's giving me a thumbs up and tanks and bombs and all that kind of good stuff. If you think the Bible's boring, y'all need to read a different version or something. You're reading that old English version or something. Read a version that tells what's happening. People are trying to kill this joker. There have been people dying with the sword in here, been stabbed to death with the sword, and now people are trying to kill Elijah. Keep reading, verse 11. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on a mountain in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, 
but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. Verse 13, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood in the mouth of the cave. Why did Elijah pull the cloak over his face in the whisper? Somebody talk to me. Because the Lord was in the whisper. There's going to be times in your life where you need the Lord to show up like an earthquake. Where you need the Lord to show up like a great wind that can tear up mountains. There's going to be times in your life where you need the Lord to show up like a great fire. That's not where the Lord's going to show up. The Lord may be showing up in a whisper. Why would the Lord show up in a whisper? Simple. Simple. When you whisper, when you whisper, you have to be really close to hear. Right? somebody whispers you have to be close to them to hear it so if the Lord's in a whisper the only way I can hear the Lord is if he's close to me I am encouraged today because no matter what I'm facing God is close to me so close that he can Whisper to me. He is so close that I can hear him in a whisper. So close that he can work in my life through a whisper. Be encouraged today, my friends. That when you feel like God's not there, God is so close to you. God is so close to you. That he can whisper. He can whisper his word and change your life. The Lord is with you. Another reason I believe the Lord would whisper is because if you were not close and he's whispering, I don't know about you, but that's going to cause me to get closer so that I could hear, right? If somebody's trying to keep a secret and they're whispering something to you and you can't hear, you probably kind of come in a little closer. Maybe God's whispering to you today to draw you closer to him. Maybe you're not experiencing the presence of God. Maybe you're not feeling the presence of God because you're not close enough to hear his whisper. God's presence has not left you today. God's presence will never leave you. One of the last things Jesus said before his ascension, after his resurrection, is I will be with you. How long? Always. On the top, in the valley, 
the places you least expect Jesus to show up is the exact place that Jesus will be in your life. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. God is with us today, amen? I believe today God is in this very building. God is in our presence. God is in our midst. God is here hanging out with us. He's watching over us. For some of you this morning, he may have already gave you a hug this morning because you needed a hug. For some of you this morning, he may have already whispered in your ear and told you, I've got your back. For some of you this morning, he may have already whispered in your ear because you needed to hear it today. I love you. For some of you this morning, he may have already whispered in your ear that he will be with you. That he's standing right beside of you. He's got his arm around you. For some of you today, maybe God has already whispered in your ear, Hey, remember that thing you did last week? Remember that stuff you said last week? Let's get forgiveness for that. Let's make that right. Maybe for some of you, he's whispered in your ear this morning, remember that person you did wrong in the past? Go make that right. God is with us. And God is here in this place this morning. Be encouraged, be challenged. The Lord is at work in your life, even if you don't feel it. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for not just your written word, but God, we thank you for the words that you speak to us. God, I pray for my friends and family here this morning. God, I pray that you would make yourself known. God, I pray that you would make yourself real in all of our lives. God, we admit there are times when we may not feel like you're with us, where we may not feel your presence, where we may not experience your love and your grace and your mercy. But God, I pray today that our faith will not be based on how we feel, but our faith will be based on your word. And God, your word says that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You will never turn your back on us. You will never forget about us. God, your word says that you are with us always. So God, I pray today that even when we don't know it, we will see you working. Even when we don't feel it, we will see your work in our lives. And God, secondly, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts. God, I believe there are people here today that need hope. I believe there are people here today that need healing. I believe there's people here today that need forgiveness. I believe there's people here today that need direction. God, I believe there's people here today that need peace. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. God, if you want to whisper, whisper. If you want to speak like a fire, speak like a fire. 
If you want to come as an earthquake or in a great wind, God, however you want to speak to us, God, we are ready to hear from you. God, I pray that our eyes and our ears and our hearts will be attuned to you and to you alone. God, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.